Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast. Explosions and fire. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And today on the podcast, we welcome back one of our most favorite guests, Emmy the Odd, who's here to help us discuss acting in tabletop role-playing games. Welcome back to the show, Emmy. Thank you so much for having me. Always so happy to talk to you guys. So excited. Okay, so I'm reading from your Twitch profile here. Actor, oh boy. director, nerd, aspiring human, they, she, pack member at the Adventures Pack. So I just want to do a quick check-in. How is all of that going? And are you getting the hang of humanness just yet? May we all, actually. <laughs> Isn't that why we're here? You know, I know we're talking about acting since we're here. And one of my least favorite acting teachers that I ever had over the years who taught me not enough for all of the crap that I had to deal with with that teacher told me that in order to be an actor, I had to be more than human. And that's Whoa. when I knew that person had absolutely nothing to teach me. So, <laughs> so just being just joke. being human is probably plenty. Probably seems or maybe fun. even and aspirational. Aspiration, exactly, and also kind of what I have. That's the working <laughs> tool set here. <laughs> have they just watched Blade Runner? Is someone more human, yeah. human with a Nexus Six or what? I don't know. I really thought she thought I would think she was like super profound, but <laughs> lost, lost me. Lost and here me. you are talking shit about her all these years later. I know, <laughs> I know. And she'll never figure it out. She's never going to listen to this. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. So maybe this is like a giant Pandora's box I'm about to open. Mm -hmm. But can you tell us a little bit about your background in acting? I certainly can. I had some social issues as a small kid. And my parents and the school psychiatrists thought it would be a really great idea if they put me into theater classes. And that stuck real hard. <laughs> and so I've been acting since I was very young, most of my life at this point, by a pretty significant degree. And then I got a BFA in classical theater performance from the University of Colorado at Boulder. It's uh, if you look at it on paper, it's theater performance. But the year that I was there very specifically focused on period acting and classical theater at that time. You're classically trained. I've always wanted to be able to say that. That's amazing. <laughs> in a minor sense, yes. If I had continued and gone on to train further in that particular field, I would have been more classically trained. But yes, <laughs> I get to say I get to say it very haughty twatty, like especially because I'm a millennial, which means that I started that degree in 2008. So <laughs> classically trained in 2008. <laughs> but, wow. But yes, I suppose so, which meant that I got a lot of training in movement and how to speak very, very specifically, a lot of speech training and therapy to be able to know exactly how my mouth is moving at all particular times, which is definitely overkill for the most of what I do with it these days, which is play games on the internet. But <laughs> <laughs> you're you're overqualified. I love this. Yes. <laughs> so you're in tune with your mouth. Is that what you just yeah, I had a, another one of my professors who was a speech therapist first. And in order uh, to touch the Shakespeare, basically, he would retrain your mouth from the ground up. It was weeks and weeks of trying to say the same sentence over and over and over oh, again. No. And you thought you were losing your mind. And like this was a very poor use of money until you listened back to recordings of yourself 
and heard was started listening to other people. And then you realize that he's made you completely aware of your mouth in a different way, which was very cool. <laughs> that was wow. definitely one of my favorite parts of that degree. It almost sounds like boot camp, like they break you down so they can build you up again. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. when it's good, it's good like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so where did you go after college? Surely. And then I moved to Los Angeles. I did a little bit of film work out here, but mostly, honestly, I ended up doing more indie stuff and fairly quickly ended up moving back more into production and wanting to work behind the camera. I personally really enjoy working on smaller projects more than I enjoy working on big studio stuff. It's not hugely been for me, which is weird. Living in Los Angeles, you'd feel like that's the place to do an originally. I was a little <laughs> bit dreamy-eyed about that and thought that would be a thing I would enjoy. But realistically, what I ended up enjoying more was working more with independent projects and running my own things, which is what eventually led me to wanting to do streaming and actual play content because it was the wild wild west out there and it was two things i loved a lot which was getting to perform improvise hanging out with my friends and playing tabletop role-playing games like nice i love all of those things so much <laughs> it was a pretty easy decision a few years ago when we decided that that was a thing we wanted to try and pursue we knew it's it's scary out there on the internet it still is it's a brand new industry and it's feels like a brand new industry. And <laughs> that's always a little bit intimidating and scary. But alternatively, it's really rewarding to be able to do so many things that I love and be able to have the level of control over it that I do, which is so great. I know everyone's treated well on our sets because I help run them. And that's nice. <laughs> That's cool. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for not being involved in the Fast and Furious or the Transformers franchises. So just on behalf of all of us, thanks for I, not doing that. But I could have jumped out of a helicopter in a car. <laughs> She's family. <laughs> <laughs> and second, I'm wondering, like, you, you just kind of mentioned it, but as soon as you get into this, you know, the the tabletop role playing and the, the live streaming, does your acting chops just like kick into gear and everyone looks at you like holy shit <laughs> i would say that it gives me a a leg up in this kind of a scenario now i'm always very careful with how i talk about this because there's also i feel like in the ttrpg community especially in the actual play community there can be this sensibility where there are a lot of people who are like me who were actors who mm -hmm. are now trying to jump into this scene and I feel as though they give advice to people who just want to learn what they can learn from acting and apply it to their tabletop game. I feel like they give advice that is, this is how you become an actor. And I feel like that's not <laughs> helpful. I feel <laughs> as though the background that I have in acting prepared me for tabletop role-playing games in that it is a habit and a practice and a vocation that teaches you how to jump into another character, how to find their motivation and their ideals and the things that make them them. I already knew how to do all of that work because I've been doing it a long time. It was something that I ended up doing more of the stuff that I was doing trained me to do more creative writing and things like that that are very inherently involved in TTRPGs. So... 
while I do think that having the background in acting that I have was great and I was able to then apply that very easily to when I was playing D&D and it's always made it a thing that the role-playing part is the part that I'm absolutely best at and I've absolutely gotten compliments on being an excellent role-playing partner. It's just a leg up. It's Mm. not necessarily a thing I've advise people well in order to really get the best out of your dungeons and dragons game you really should go take an acting class i don't i don't think that's it's like i need you to get a bachelor's in you know classical acting and kind of come back and And then tell talk to me then then you can roll a bard sure yeah (laughs) i'm i so as much as i can absolutely say that there are principles that you can take from acting that are great alternatively yeah. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Find the things that make you happy and that you're good at. That makes sense. So let me let yeah. me pivot off of that because I think this is the biggest roadblock. I, I think to any acting or role playing is comfortability. So what mm-hmm. advice would you give for people who are really starting in role playing or wanting to branch out and actually try doing some acting at a table to yeah. help them feel a little bit more comfortable performing in front of other people? Absolutely. I can provide some advice on that. The first thing, the big thing that I think a lot of people get stuck on when they decide they want to be doing more heavy role play and more dynamic characters at a table is they immediately think they need to do a voice. Mm. Now, <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. Totally yeah. guilty. Me too. Me too. I was stuck in that for a very long time. And I'm fairly lucky voices aren't terribly hard for me, but alternatively, I got stuck there. I kept mm-hmm. trying to like make new voices and it it really wasn't necessary all the time. Most characters are going to sound like you because at the end of the day, they are you (laughs) in a weird way. And so that's not where I would suggest starting. Although I do think that if you know you're going to do a voice, give yourself patience. But the biggest thing I can say about that is what most actors will talk about when they find the truest connections to their character is that it is a vulnerable process is the main word that I hear used, that it's a process that requires you to be able to mess up or do something silly or ridiculous or intense and not be afraid that there are going to be repercussions from that, that there is going to be anyone making fun of you or making you feel unsafe or goofy, that it is okay to mess around and see what works. And I would say that Having a D&D table that is safe is one of the main things that kind of lets that go free. And by safe, I, I don't necessarily mean, I mean, of course, safety tools are a big deal to me, but I mean more about like that these are people that you like and people that are going to be cool if you're like, hey, I'm doing something kind of funky with this character. I'm not going to get you in any trouble or harm. Just, you know, it's going to be funky and confide in people that that's what you need right now. I think that's important. I think being honest about that situation with the people you're playing with is important. And it's silly, but play with people you like. (laughs) And trust. Yeah. Is a big deal. And I would say that's just true of most TTRPG jam tables. Like, play with people you like, man. But if if that's a thing you're really maybe branching into, maybe play with some people you know pretty well at first. And find that space where you can feel safe doing that. And then from there, I'd say finding whatever gets you into that character's shoes so that way you're not panicking about improvising. 
because mm-hmm. the next thing that inevitably happens when you're trying to role play a character and role play a character very, very well. And I am also very guilty of this, speaking from experience on messing this one up, is the extreme need to just be like, no, I'm doing the role playing. It's important. <laughs> and I, I need to get this all out right now. Uh, and it's sometimes you, you're not in, you can't feel confident in your ability to improvise as a person that's not you. And it just, it starts to all feel very like you need to get it out right now, but also you can't because you can't speak as that person anymore. Mm-hmm. Finding whatever it is that gets you into the character's feet that makes you not have to think while you're talking. That's another big acting tip that usually oh, gets yeah. thrown about a lot is that you learn and you do all the practicing and rehearsing and writing everything out. So that way, when you're actually doing the performance, you're not thinking about any of that anymore. All that work is done and you're instinctually aware of how all those things work and you don't need to be thinking about your character's tragic backstory at that moment in time and the exact nature of what they're thinking. You can just go. For me, it's elaborate character backstories is is my trick. It's many, many pages of who this person was in the years before they were an adventurer. It's not that for everyone. For some people, it is a voice sometimes mm-hmm. gets them feeling really, really confident. I have got a couple of friends like that where the voice talking and the voice for a few minutes really lets them let go and get going. But just spend some time with yourself and that character and think about what you need as a person to feel confident as somebody else. And that's one of the more fun ways you can start exploring things that are maybe more out of your wheelhouse, I would say, is the big thing that also acting has let me do as a TTRPG players. I stopped playing robes every single game, <laughs> which was what, right. I, was what I stopped doing. <laughs> it's the same rogue over and over and over again for a long time. I'm still deep into my rogue phase, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling inspired right now. <laughs> they are so fun, though. <laughs> So should, should players ascribe to the Daniel Day-Lewis school of method acting and, and really go in there, not let anybody call them any other name in their regular day-to-day? <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> no and one likes wear that. their bow and arrow to work every day for a week. Yeah, or like my left foot where he made everybody carry him around like he was, you know, actually not able to walk. So uh, I've, I've got opinions about that style of acting, yes. too, but I don't yes. know that this is that podcast. Yeah, don't do that. Don't. Uh, the other thing, again... The not to do's is kind of that. Like, don't don't make don't take this too far though, y'all. This is still it's still a game. Like uh-huh. it's, it's, it's still a game. Don't don't be too goof too goofy, man. We're doing this to have fun. Like <laughs> the other main thing I know I always tell people when they're trying to figure out how to improvise this kind of stuff is the very straightforward interested is interesting. Mm-hmm. It, the best way to get things out about your character is to become interested in other people. So ask everyone else their stuff too. Uh, Are you just giving general life advice in the guys? Uh, <laughs> acting advice? Also, this trick is good at parties. Because um, <laughs> I feel like earlier you were talking about maybe sometimes it's important to shut up. And I was like, oh, I think I need to learn that in my, my time that I spend playing Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's you know all i all joking aside with that though really and truly this is part of one of those things that i do say quite frequently about ttrpgs and the power of play 
is that learning to talk to each other through a TTRPG is a really great way to learn how to talk to other humans full stop. Like I know I was saying it earlier, I still have very crippling social anxiety. I'm neurodivergent and have some pretty funky social issues. Being able to practice these skills, it helps. Being able to talk at through to my fellow players in a TTRPG game and be able to make those kinds of friendships, that makes it easier for me to make friends in real life. It teaches me how to exist and how to go out and make friends because you have to make friends, ultimately. Your character is going to be far more interested in if you're acting with someone else is the other thing. Your character is going to be far more interesting if you're interacting with another person, but then you can take that skill to real life, which is yeah. nice. And it's the same thing, right? Like mm -hmm. if you spend your life isolated, it's not as cool as if you have people close to you that want to do stuff with you and adventure with you. Exactly. The combinations of people are always far more interesting than the unique human alone. Okay. So you kind of touched on this a little bit. But for me, something that's coming up is this idea of, okay, so you we're, we're in game and I'm role playing with the DM and with the NPCs. But I think one of the like higher level skill sets that I really admire in role players is when they can turn to their, their fellow player character. And I know this is the thing that makes DMs so happy as well, is when they just start role playing with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm see you're you're nodding and smiling, so I think you maybe have some things to say. But I just think that's such a magical moment at a table. I completely agree, and I think that says a lot to both the DM and the players. It says that the world is engaging because it means the players are usually talking about the world. They may also be talking about each other, but largely about how that person is interacting with the world. Because if you have something to talk about, it's usually because you've had an experience currently which is great because it means you're getting to enjoy what the DM has built for you. But it also means you are choosing to engage with the other players at that moment. At some point, you could spend all day talking to the DM, but the DM's voice is going to get tired. And also <laughs> at some point, most of the NPCs aren't going to travel with you. They're not going to wander around in your, in your adventuring party or in your monster hunting group or whatever it is you are doing. And at some point, you're going to need to interact with your friends about what's happening. You're going to need to plan with them and execute plans with them. And at some point, this is also a collaborative thing. Everyone else is going to want to be having their acting moments, too. So if you turn to them and talk to them, you can give that to them as well, which is an important part of making it fun for everyone. That's great. Yeah, knowing when to share the, share the space is always hard but that again comes back to that interested is interesting thing at least for me yeah. is that also it comes to that shut the hell up part too and let other people you know play yeah and sometimes it's not your moment sometimes it is not your moment sometimes this thing is does not necessarily need your opinion sometimes maybe you just need to be there maybe your tra your your friend's tragic backstory maybe they're and just been talking to the ghost of their dad and they're real beat up about it. Maybe what you need to be there is just there to hug them. Literally, mm -hmm. this is my therapy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could help you with the trauma of dealing with the yeah. ghost of your dead father. I just, as soon as I said that, I muted my microphone. But now I'm starting to talk, but now I'm going to mute it again. <laughs> <laughs> and now well, it's Hamlet. We've come full circle. That's right. So I know, I know that you've done your own time in the trenches as a DM. And I have my own opinion on this, but I would ask you, how, how do you 
change that up a little bit and deal with a more complex side of acting and be a DM and channel a bunch of people like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost and keep it fresh and fun. Yeah. Oh boy, if that one isn't one of the the trickier ones there. And that is, the DM's job is always so intense when it comes back because now you're the world. Mm-hmm. Now you're everything. And the main thing I would say is start kind of macro or at the very least, that's how I prefer to start. So obviously take care however you want. Do what works for you. But for me, what worked was starting really macro and starting with the world and trying to find the motivation of the world as I would find a motivation for an individual character and then start to break it down from there and break down what this individual person wants within the greater cosmos of this setting that they are in and try and move from there and then look at the monsters and try and think what sounds they'd make and then mm-hmm. make those ad infinitum bother the people <laughs> you live with that's great <laughs> that's great advice i've literally never heard that advice before think of your monsters and think of the sounds they make and then bother people with those sounds <laughs> <laughs> i've got a fun trick that i can pull out every now and again with certain little weird creepy crawlies which is where i can make it sound like i'm talking backwards and that's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Which comes back to the vocal training and once again, a circle. But <laughs> it's it's both harder and easier in many ways. Because sometimes, not always, but sometimes these NPCs can be, don't, uh, hmm, how to put it, don't be afraid to let some of your NPCs be cardboard standees. If you're needing to fill the world, it's okay. Not everyone needs to be Hamlet. Not all of your NPCs need to be as in-depth as your player character. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That is fine. Make sure you find the ones that are going to be close to your heart, but also listen to your players and see where they start to gravitate and latch and then start to build there a little bit as well. I would say that as much as any player is also listening to the DM and to each other, the DM's guided role is also to listen back. And that's another important thing that you get taught a lot in acting is the extreme active listening. Make sure you're listening and hearing what the other person is giving and then take that and don't ignore it. It's an extended form of the improv yes and in many ways is that if someone hands you something, if someone hands you an emotion or an interest and then you just say no and turn left, you've cut the energy. So mm-hmm. both as a player, but especially as a DM, listen to what your players are interested in doing. And even if it's the wrong thing, take that energy and don't cut it, move it. But make sure you're you're listening to everyone is an incredibly important skill. That what you just described, that dynamic feels really familiar to me at the table and I never really put it into words, but there's that energy when you're trying to role play and then you just hit a brick wall and basically the person's just saying no or ignoring what you're saying. And then they just keep doing another thing. Yep. And then it it really sends me like into my shell a little bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And this is again, one of those things where again, you don't need to go enroll in an acting class. You really, really don't. Most Mm -hmm. of these very straightforward things you can find these on the internet but if you do want to if anyone listening wants to go look up some of the basic tenets of improv and acting just look them up even just knowing what they are can provide you with some framework for this because that will kill a scene and at the end of the day 
there's a reason why you see especially a lot of improv actors who end up going into D&D because this can be an extended form of that or other TTRPG performance arts is because if it feels very natural, it's an improv exercise in many ways. It's lightning fast, rapid round story building as quick as you can go. And the tenets of that are important. And it's, you know, it comes back, it's made fun of a lot sometimes, but really and truly the yes and is such an important thing Mm -hmm. at a TTRPG table because it's one thing to say, no, that's not correct. It's another thing to say, here, I have this bouquet of flowers. That's a tiny bouquet of one flower. I don't believe you. Like, you're just going to be making it a not safe emotional space. This is not a vulnerable space at that point. You're you're cutting the other player off. And it's it's rude. You may not think it's rude, but it is. And it and it's stifling, as we said too, right? Like it just sort of you can just sort of feel the energy and the collaborative vibe just kind of shrink at the Yeah. Point. Yeah. No one's gonna want to interact with that. If someone's trying to give you something interesting to play with and all you're gonna say is no. Well, and I don't want to play. Come on. Okay. I mean, I know you said you don't have to enroll in acting, but I'm wondering if you're going to open your own TTRPG acting school a la Hogwarts and if I can enroll. (laughs) Oh, man, that'd probably be the only acting school I'd ever be interested in teaching. That'd be fun. I mean, I do think that there's probably something there with that realistically. And, you know, if you've alternative to my last advice if this is a thing that you really enjoy and you think that it would be fun to get some of these chops out there i bet you dimes to dollars wherever you're listening that somewhere out there there at the very least is a digital improv or acting class that you could access it's not a terrible idea again you don't need to do what you want to do have fun but alternatively there are some things to learn from that. And if you find a safe acting class that sounds fun to you, there are absolutely things you can learn from that. Improv almost certainly would be the one I would lean into if you were to do something like that. Again, because improv requires that level of, of safety and fun fairly instantaneously. It really does promote a environment of play, which I think is important to TTRPGs. but. I don't know. I feel like someone has to have come up with this idea, right? And I've just missed it out there on the internet. Someone's <laughs> teaching TTRPG acting classes, right? That's why I'm encouraging you to just open your own school. <laughs> oh, it would be just so goofy. I would just be teaching you how to annoy your DM with an entire wiki on your character, which is what for <laughs> our actual play that we're doing at the Adventures Pack, the bigger, less improv one. That's what I, I did. So... <laughs> <laughs> You you could just have them find their voice by having to say roll for initiative over and over again. Over and over and over and over again. Or you can do what I did the last time and listen to a million videos of people with similar accents and just listen to it ad infinitum, which is what I did for a couple of weeks. It was fine. I was fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. It was fine. I wasn't entirely nervous the entire time. And that's another thing that I would say with this is that like, No matter what, it's always nerve wracking when you build a character and you're trying something new and unique and you put it out there for your friends. Like Mm -hmm. the the table that we started at Adventurous Pack, a more long form story driven campaign fairly recently. And it's a table of people who I've known 
for a very long time. I've known almost everyone at that table close to a decade, if not more. And I know this character. I've written a wiki. I've practiced the voice ad infinitum, much to the annoyance of everyone that I live with. I'm certain it drives the cat bananas. But <laughs> it's still, when I walked in there on the first day, it was like, no one make fun of my baby. <laughs> <laughs> So it's always a little intimidating when you're trying this out. And that's okay. It's going to be okay. And the other thing I would say about that is for folks who this is new and you really want to be, you've seen a lot of people get into this heavy role play and you really, you just want to do it. And it's really, really intimidating and you're really, really frightened. Another one of Emmy's acting tips is fear isn't bad. We could always do fear is the mind killer all day long. But at the end of the day, the main thing about fear is it is energy. It implies mm -hmm. to you that this is important. Mm -hmm. And if it was not important to you and it wasn't interesting to you, you wouldn't be afraid. So what you need to do is find where that energy is and try and use it and move it. Because at some point you can't get rid of that energy. It's there. So you need to find whatever piece you can with that and move it to where you need it to be and try and use it as an engine because you've already got the energy. The energy, don't waste it there. So use what you got. And if what you have at that moment is a little bit of fear, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I love that. <laughs> love it. I heard it once said, getting your butterflies to fly in formation. That's such a good way of putting it. Oh my God, I love that. It's, but it's like exactly what you're saying, right? It's yeah. like, it's there and you don't need to deny them, but like, let's just get them moving in a mm -hmm. particular direction. Exactly. As long as you're moving, as long as you can keep from getting clammed up and paralyzed, that's all that matters. Just keep going. I love that. I'm going to remember that one, Brian. <laughs> I like that. So good. So I would ask, what have we forgotten to ask you about or what else should we discuss about on this topic? Mm, okay. Well, if you are going to do a voice, it doesn't matter if it's a real accent. Consistency is what is key. So as long as it's the same every time, that's all that matters. Doesn't need to be a real accent. In fact, it's even better than if it's a real accent because then people will try and correct you. Make sure you listen for your friends. And again, interested being interesting. The main tip I can say about that is make sure you're asking people about themselves, that you're finding a way to make those friendships concrete and interesting at all times and then the last one i guess is it's simple and it's straightforward to get any one of us who's ever written a backstory has done it but really and truly one of the main tenets when it comes to acting especially in a modern sense of what they teach you in acting is finding your motivation so you can then again leave that behind all of us have as humans motivation things that make us the way we are, things that we want, goals that we're driving towards that keep us up and running and doing our day job and going towards our goals. We have inner desires that we know and ones that we aren't aware of. And writing, if you go out and find out some pretty straightforward charts for this out there, again, they're out there on the internet. They're there for free. If you look at character motivation, fill out chart, they're there. But that can really help. It's essentially just a broken down form of a character backstory is trying to figure out why does your character want to do the thing they are doing? Why are they here? 
what were they doing? And this is part of why I'm really big on backstories. Another, I think this is where it really comes from, is with acting. The moment before is a big thing they refer to. What were you doing the moment before you walked onto camera, the moment before you walked out of the door onto the stage? What was the thing you were doing right before? Because that's going to inform what you were doing as you walk through the door. And in fact, it's sometimes even more important than what you were doing as you walk through the door because you were just doing this other thing. So remember who you were before. Remember who you are now. Remember what you want to be. I mean, I just need to tell you this really quick. I just had an existential crisis while you were talking because you're explaining understanding the internal, external motivations of your D&D characters. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh God, do I know more about the motivations of my characters than I actually know about myself. Because when you're asking all these questions, I'm like, do we know what actually secretly motivates us? And I was like, I don't think we do. No, not really. This is why I think sometimes some people use acting as therapy and you should really not do that. Go actually see a trained person, please. Yes. Not classically trained. (laughs) A classically trained therapist, please. (laughs) But yes, uh, definitely make sure that like you are not doing that thing. But in a weird way, yes, this is part of why, again, I didn't think that advice from that one teacher of mine was particularly good advice was because at the end of the day, you do have your humanity. And even if you're playing a character who's not human, I mean, we're ifs, ands. But the point being there that like at some point, these are the things you have and all people have this, whether they're aware of them or not. And sometimes that can also help you if you're trying to play the other Speaking of going to therapy. If you are trying to play a maladjusted character who maybe Mm. does have some issues, finding some of these things will prevent you from just being a jerk at the table yeah, and being that person no one wants to play with. So if you find what makes them tick most people aren't jerks for fun so Mm -hmm. work through it find what's going to make that easy and fun yeah i love that well emmy uh i think we're at the close here and we really appreciate you again joining us we always love having you here and it's always a pleasure to chat with you it is always such a deep honor love talking with y'all you're so fun to talk to yeah sometimes i worry that we're going to run out of stuff to talk to you about but then there's always more I can keep going. There's always more. <laughs> There's always more. Yeah. I've got lots of motivation. We can keep going with this. Yes, and. That's right. <laughs> um, and thank you, dear friends, for spending time with us this week. Uh, please check us out on our Instagram or at our website, infernalschoolhouse.com. Oh, and we sell stuff on Etsy, too. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>